And Merry Christmas. I can't hear you. Merry Christmas. I hear little children in the back, and I am so glad they're here. Don't worry. Um, let them stay. It would be great to have them in because we are worshiping a baby born here. And so I love hearing the kids here. So please allow them to stay and uh, fellowship with us as well. There is a voice that cried in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord to make straight in a desert a highway for our God. So as we come and worship tonight, I pray that you would be preparing your hearts for the King to come. I pray that he would be working in our hearts and through our lives. I pray that he'd be working in our midst. I pray that he would be working in our communities. I pray that he'd be working in our creation. I pray that tonight we are going to get an opportunity to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me tonight? Lord, I pray that you would help us to be captivated by your Son. Father, this has been such a challenging year for so many people. Father, even right now there are people in our midst that are grieving. And Lord, this is a difficult Christmas night for them. Father, there are people in our community where this is a difficult Christmas night for them. I pray that out of the darkness, Father, that your Son would shine an amazing light. I pray tonight that we would honor you as the God of hope, the God of joy, the God of peace. I pray that you reign and rule in our lives. And tonight, Father, I pray that among all nights that we would worship your Son for who he is and for what he has done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Joy, unspeakable joy. 
joy, unspeakable joy. The joy, unspeakable joy, and overflowing well, no tongue can tell. Joy, unspeakable joy, it rises in my soul. Joy, 
Christ by highest. Christ by highest, heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. The mild delays His glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to to read three Old Testament prophecies that tell of the birth of Jesus and then the fulfillment of the prophecy in the Luke story. 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 13, to King David. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Micah 5.2, but you... Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7:14 Luke 2, 1 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothing, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men.
Sunday morning, my parents were with us, and uh, Dave and, or I'm sorry, Dave and Laura, Laura and Sandy had played, and my dad said, was that a CD? I said, no, that was actually live, so thanks to them and uh, everyone that's helped with getting this service together this evening, uh, providing music with the worship team, they all arrived here at three o'clock today to practice, and so that this could be just a beautiful offering that we give to the Lord tonight. I want to thank you for coming and being with us this evening. It is uh, just a beautiful night for us to remember uh, what is symbolized on the day that we call Christmas, uh, it, the glorious truth of this. And we want this to be clear for you. More importantly, we want the purpose of this night to be clear to you. Uh, I want to show you a picture real quick that I got on my phone this week. And uh, let's bring that up. Okay, this is, got to absorb this for a second, okay? Got this from my daughter who has a four-year-old grandchild. And she has all these plastic people, okay? And she calls them her people. And Becky came into the room and saw this focus of attention. And uh, so... We noted a couple things about it. We noted, number one, there is no social distancing at the manger. <laughs> that the angels had a rough night. <laughs> and that Jesus is the focus of attention. So this evening, I want to talk about the work of Christ from the perspective of the word that we would use, heroes, and the Bible uses the word to define the work of Christ, the word glory. And let me just walk you through a couple thoughts real quickly. On Monday of this week, in Middletown, New Jersey, there was an episode that nearly cost the lives of two young children, one four and one eight years old. A family of four was sledding at the Beacon Hill Country Club, uh, their kids were having a great time until the sled lost control and steered into an icy pond. Five freshmen from the local high school heard the commotion and jumped into action. 14-year-old Karen jumped into the icy water, rescuing the 4-year-old first and then the 8-year-old Olivia. He handed each one by one to his friends who had formed a human chain for the purpose of rescue. They said this, we definitely had to do something. We can't just sit there and watch. The boys got the kid, the boys that got the kids safely uh, out of this incredibly difficult situation are being heralded, heralded as heroes. Their response was this, we hope that anyone in that situation would do the same thing. The parents said the teens didn't hesitate for a moment to help their kids and thus deserve all the recognition in the world. In the war in Afghanistan, there is a soldier whose name was Kyle Carpenter. Uh, he lost most of his jaw and an eye when he fell on a grenade to shield a fellow Marine from a blast from the grenade. His body was shattered, one lung collapsed, and after a two and a half year recovery, he received at the White House the Medal of Honor, which is the highest award that a soldier can receive. Now, I want to say this. 
it, it, it becomes clear as you think through stories like that, that those who do heroic things are worthy of high honor. But the Bible goes a step further and talks about the work of Jesus. And in the text that was read to us a little bit ago so beautifully by Joel, the text says, the angels sang together. They stated this together, a declaration, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men. So here's the question I want to ask you. At the beginning of our Christmas season this year as a church family, we defined the word glory. And here's the definition of the word. Glory is honor won by notable achievement. Okay? Glory is won by notable achievement. This evening, I'm going to do a little bit of a contrast between what today we're calling essential workers, which I think is just a beautiful way to remember those that are giving so much in this season. But we also think of those that that tend to be heroic in their line of work and do amazing things. These stories that I just read to you, to me, they're stories that evoke emotion. They evoke a sense of, 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 of that that's positive, something that in this year, I think we're all glad to hear stories like that. Incredible self-sacrifice for the benefit of someone else. It is honorable. It is praiseworthy. But we as Christians would argue that the work of Christ is worthy of highest praise, and we would use the word glory be to Christ, right? And that's the way that the the angelic horde captured the birth of Christ, that because of that event, glory in the highest should go to God and to his son, Jesus Christ, who had come for a very specific purpose. So what I want to do this evening, real quickly, I want to contrast the work of Jesus to the work of modern-day heroes. If you think in terms of first responders, whatever works best for you. I want to just give you three contrasts that become three reasons for why we treasure Christ even more highly than those that we are inclined to treasure when we hear their stories. And let me give you this first contrast. Heroes choose to take a risk. Jesus chose ultimate sacrifice. First responders go each day willing to do what it takes to protect and serve, right? And my understanding of the people that I know that are, that are in uh, the work of police or in, in EMTs or firefighters or soldiers, the ones that I know have a willingness... And I, I admire that and I'm thankful for that. But when I look at the work of Christ, I see that Jesus did not choose to take a risk, but Jesus chose ultimate sacrifice. And that's a contrast. You know, a police officer gets ready in the morning, goes out, committed to doing his job no matter what it takes. Jesus made a choice to come down from heaven to give his life as a ransom for many. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 captures this heart of Jesus as his disciple John reflects. It says, John says this, he says, this is how we know what love is. This is how love takes on fuller definition. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It is that purpose, it is that intention of Christ that takes his sacrifice, his act of of, of heroism, if you want to say it that way. It's what takes it to a different level where we ascribe to him the glory that is due to his name. 
In John 10, in his discussion about the good shepherd, he said, no one takes my life from me. I am laying it down. There is a willfulness and intention to the work of Christ that brings us to saving. He came on a mission, not risking, but knowing everything that it would cost. The second contrast then is this. Heroes act for the benefit of another human being. You can kind of hear this in the story of these five freshmen at Middletown High School, right? Two other humans were in need. They had no idea about the moral standing of those human beings, but they acted out of the goodness of their hearts to rescue someone, whether or not they was, were deserving was irrelevant to them, right? They just, they just moved and did what was right. Heroes were motivated by honor to serve a peer, okay? Someone that's on their equal footing. Heroes are motivated, or Jesus, in contrast, was motivated by love for undeserving rebels. Okay, and I want you to just let that settle in. Okay, a hero acts to rescue a peer. Good, it's just what we should have done. Jesus came, motivated by love, to rescue those that were on the face, undeserving rebels. When I say that, I'm speaking of myself. I speak of each one of us in this room this morning. This is hinted at in the text that Jewel read to us. I bring, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For you today in the city of Bethlehem, a savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. So when the angels declare the person and work of Christ, they don't simply, simply stop at one who came to save. They call him a savior. And in that titling, they distinguish his action. That he has come to rescue those who are deserving only of the judgment of God. Because the Bible says that all of us sin. And fall short of the God, fall short of the glory of God. Surely our personal experiences in the context of marriage, in the context of parenting, in the context of being neighbors in the workplace has taught us something about ourselves. And that we are, that is that we are often more sinful than we are willing to admit. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came to rescue rebels. He didn't die for a peer. He didn't die for someone of moral worth and value. He died for people that desperately needed a rescue, a savior who would come, would bear their sin and bring them the forgiveness that they so desperately need. Christmas exists. I want you to think about this. Christmas exists for the rescue of rebels. Jesus came into our world to bear our sin and its consequence. He is the essential worker who does not protect himself but our, from our problem. He intended to bear our sin on the cross and shed his precious blood so that forgiveness of sin would be freely available to all who believe because our sin was borne by him in our place on the cross. That is the glorious aim of Christmas when it is rightly understood. And I want to give you this as a challenge to think about tonight. When you separate the birth of Christ from the work of Jesus, namely the cross, you end up with mere sentiment for the holidays. And I'm all about the sentiment. I'm all about the tradition. But if I, if I separate 
the work of Christ and the birth of Christ, I lose something very precious. The sentiment of the holidays are about as substantive as spiritual cotton candy and about as life-changing as a Hallmark movie. My wife's going to kill me for saying, (laughs) pray for me. (laughs) At the end of the day, Christmas tradition, detached from Jesus, is as valuable and precious as discarded Christmas trees that will soon line the sidewalks of your neighborhood. The sediments give you a shot, but will always leave you empty because a holiday can never give your life true meaning. But Jesus Christ can. And so as believers, we fight in the midst of a celebration to be sure that the celebration is focused on something that will literally and permanently and eternally change your life. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come so that you might have life and that you may have it abundantly. Not cheap trinkets that motivate for a little while and need to be repeated because they are forgotten or weak and and, and anemic in terms of providing hope. Tonight, maybe you have come here feeling beyond reach, too broken, too sinful, too immoral, undeserving, unworthy, and maybe we are. I think the truth of scripture is that that describes every one of us. But we are exactly who Jesus came seeking. These are the words with which Jesus Christ describes the purpose of his coming and incarnation. He said, I did not come to call the righteous, the religious, but sinners to repentance. Jesus comes so that when you get honest about the brokenness of your heart, you find in him a great physician who can permanently transform your life. That is the glory, that is the hope of this season. It means that no matter what you've done, how sinful you are or how hard you lived, in Christ coming, a message of hope for all people is proclaimed. For you, a Savior was born. For your saving, for your redeeming, for your hope. It is not until you admit that you are a rebel for whom Christ graciously died, needing a Savior. Until you admit that that's you, you can only have the sentiments of this season which quickly fade and will never change your life. These thoughts are captured, I think, so well In the verse of a hymn called, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. The text says this. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he would give his only son, Christmas, to make a wretch his treasure. How deep the pain of searing loss. Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Being many sons and daughters to glory. Folks, the purpose of Christ's coming was to give hope to people like Tim Hoff and like you. That in spite of the depth of your sinfulness, the darkness of your heart, that there is hope through a Savior who was born one day to die on a cross to bear the consequence of your sin.
My last contrast is this. Heroes act to save a life. Jesus acts to make rebels part of his forever family. Now, here's an interesting thing. Observation, okay? First responders sacrifice, soldiers sacrifice to bring deliverance to people. But it is a rare occasion where the rescued one, the saved one, the helped one is invited into a new family. And this is again a situation in which Jesus goes one step beyond one step beyond that, 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 that beautiful picture of heroic sacrifice. His aim, as the hymn writer said, is to bring many sons and daughters to glory. He aims to bring us into permanent relationship with him. And here's what I believe with all my heart. If you're here tonight and there is an emptiness, there is a longing, there is a craving in your heart for something that's missing. What's missing is Jesus. He died to forgive you so that in that forgiven state, he could make you one of his children and bring you into his forever family completely apart from your effort because he came to do everything that needed to be done on Calvary's cross. Is Jesus worthy of glory? Is he worthy to be honored for notable achievement, for heroic, beyond heroic efforts? I think Revelation 5.9 answers the question. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men from every tongue, tribe, and nation. You are worthy, Lord, of glory, of of honor, of praise. Because of why you came. So my encouragement to you tonight is that just like our little four-year-old granddaughters, just starting to get something about the significance of this birth. And it's the, the one... Sometimes you want to dig into the mind of a child. I just, I want to know, okay? What in the world was she thinking when she playing with her toys got it right? That all of our affection, all of us should be rushing into the presence of Christ because he deserves all of the praise that we can offer because he was born to offer himself as a ransom for our forgiveness. And when you understand that, your Christmas celebration will no longer end in frustration and emptiness. It will end in fullness, in adoration, and in appreciation, which will change your life. All you have to do is realize that he came to give his life a ransom for sinners. That the, the target group that he came seeking was to save sinners. It's why Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That helps me to understand and appreciate more deeply what we're celebrating this evening. And that is the selfless birth of Christ that leads to the selfless death of Christ. 
that leads to the forgiveness that I so desperately need. For that reason, I say, he is worthy of glory, honor, power, and blessing. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, can I encourage you to do something after the service if you desire to do so? I would encourage you to come up to the front and say, Pastor Tim, I've never made the connection between Christmas and Easter. And it's always been at the end of the season, empty and expensive. And I'd like to know Christ in terms of the purpose for which he came, for my saving. And folks, listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your life is like. Because you have something in common with every one of us in this room. And that we are, is that we are sinners that fall short of the glory of God and desperately need the work that Jesus came to accomplish via his birth. So that in flesh, he could go to Calvary's cross, stand in Tim Hoff's place, bear the punishment that my sin deserves so that I could be forgiven and set free by his glory and grace. Would you pray with me this evening? Father, thank you for this annual remembrance of your coming. It is good and it is joyful for us to sing together beautiful truth of what the angels sang and of the joy that you brought to the world, the joy that you made available for broken people like me. And Lord, my prayer this evening is that if there are friends here this evening who have never made the connection, they've separated the birth of Christ from the work of Christ. Father, I pray tonight that by faith you would allow them to see that there is a a, a beautiful linking of these truths, that they are essentially a truth that Christ came, was born to die, to bear the consequence of my sin so that I would not have to. Father, my prayer tonight is that when we leave, we would go with a clearer view of who Jesus is and of why he came. Emmanuel, God in the midst, praise to your name we bring.
that is connected deeply and intricately to our saving. And Lord Jesus, that gives us a desire to rejoice even more in the significance 
of what your birth means for those that trust you. Give saving faith tonight, God, I pray, as the sweetest, most gracious gift that you give, faith in Christ, along with a heart that is genuinely broken over its sin, rejoicing in a great Savior. Bless as we go and glorify yourself, I pray, through our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go and Merry Christmas.